to a new episode of Las Platicas. We are here in the studio in Compton, California. Yes, we are. And yeah. we're your host. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Welcome back, girls. And we are honored to have in studio, take it away, Kristen. Yes, we're honored to have Malina Chavaria here with us. So welcome to another episode. You know that Las Platicas is a show hosted by Comadesi Comics, where we meet with creators and friends to talk about upcoming projects, events, and all-around awesome news in the Latinx comic community. Today we have with us Latinx comic queen, Malina Chavaria. <laughs> Malina is the writer of Magic Glasses, a comic she describes as, quote, about a young Latina who is a gamer raver growing up in South Central Los Angeles trying to figure out the, quote unquote, game of life. Self-proclaimed Chicana autism warrior mom, which I find amazing. freaking amazing. Yeah. Melina <laughs> also works with local nonprofit agency DSTL Arts on a zine called Art. I, I have a hard time pronouncing this. Artistic zine. And that's A U R T I S T I C zine. It's a zine focused on highlighting the talents of autistic individuals and their families. So you can find Melina representing her creative endeavors at local comic conventions and zine fests all over Southern California. Um, probably even, I'm assuming, in uh, other states since you are originally from Nevada. I'm just guessing you might show up over there sometime. <laughs> and we are lucky to have her today with us all to ourselves in studio as a guest on Las Platicas. So welcome, Melina. Welcome. Thanks Yay. for having me. Thank you. Thank you for bringing la la piña loca. Yes. <laughs> yes. So my, very good. Like <laughs> one of the uh, benefits of having uh, Latinx uh, guests here on the show is that a lot of them bring us presents because they say that's how they were raised. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Melina today um, tr- showed her true uh, Latina colors because she brought us food. Yeah. <laughs> a whole piña. Yes, full of amazing fruits and chamoy and all kinds of uh, yes, <laughs> amazingness, and we enjoyed it before we got started. So thank you so much for that. It, and my mouth is watering even just talking about it, even though I had some already. <laughs> looking at it, delicious. So. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, true to form, I mean, we have you in studio, and one of the perks about coming in studio is we get to do La Hora de la, la Cervecita. Yes. <laughs> so what are, we ha- what are we drinking today? Well, today, I'm in protest, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> oh, I'm right there with you. Thank you, guys. We both, actually, I'm interested to, to taste them, but we have a um, a plethora, three different types of craft beer micheladas. That sounded pretty good. <laughs> um, but it is a brewery called Tio Rodrigo. And I mean... What kind of michelada with that coming from that kind of brewery is not going to taste good. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, I guess, uh, Tio Rodrigo is a brewery that um, is... I believe the brewery is called Slow Brew. So San Luis Obispo Brewery. Oh, is that what that is? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, why slow? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it says um, that they... Okay, so... I, I, I think the series is called uh, Tio Rodrigo. Rodrigo. Okay. So the little bit of information that you um, g- 
get on the can says that it is Echo in San Luis Obispo, which is a small, I don't know if it's that small, but it's a coastal central California town. And, um, I have one of the other flavors, but to, right now we are doing the, like the, the basic Original. Original flavor. And um, it says that this Thank is you. their classic michelada, and it's made with the finest natural ingredients and refreshing San Luis Obispo brew craft beer. It's full of flavor with a slight kick, just like the traditional recipe from Mexico. So it says enjoy over ice in a rimmed glass, tihi, with a <laughs> slice of lime. And then it says salud. So, yes, slow brew. So that was, so, yes, slow, S-L-O, and that stands for San Luis Obispo, for those of you not in the know. So you get it in a one-pint can, and it actually smells okay. I can smell the beer. I can smell the... The tomatoiness <laughs> of it. And the picture on the can actually has um, some little spicy hot peppers and lime on it. So, okay, so they're Ooh. handing me a, a lime. Am I supposed to shoot it like a thing of tequila? <laughs> no, I just think we sprinkle some in there. Okay. Is, yeah, so a funny story with this uh, cerveza. Um, I actually, we've been planning this Las Platicas for some time, and Melina said she'd like to try a michelada. So, original idea was to mix the michelada at, uh, while recording, but then I thought that would take up too much time, and I would be like, you know, I'm not an octopus. So, then I thought, <laughs> I went to uh, Torrance Craft Beer Cellar, mm-hmm. and they had this one, and so I bought one. Uh, <laughs> to save it for this uh, interview... But then I ended up drinking it. <laughs> and then, and then, uh, and then I bought another one. And then I ended up drinking that one. How funny. So I have purchased this Tio Rodrigo series, uh, four times. Already. Four times? <laughs> wow. That's funny. I think the, that's about you. <laughs> but, but this is the first time I taste the original one. Okay, I was just gonna oh, ask yeah, you okay. that. Yeah. Okay. Cause, um, we also have the mango and we have the blood orange that Ooh, we will be trying blood orange we'll that be, sounds kind of we'll good I'm kind of excited about that mango yeah. one okay so, so mm-hmm. this original one I mean original michelanas are what it's beer and tomato juice right with a concoction of other like I don't know like um, I don't chamoy. know what the remedy what the recipe we put chamoy in ours okay oh. yeah me too yeah <laughs> okay alright cause like whenever I think michelada I think like clamato and, yes. Uh, yes yes and like um uh I basically think like Mexican Bloody Mary. Exactly. And yeah. I yes. don't like Bloody Marys. Right, right. Yeah. So, <laughs> so the can um, of the original has little chili peppers on it. And I'm going to tell you that it's very accurate. I took a drink and yep. I did not expect the kick that I got from this beer. It was yep. pretty spicy. <laughs> oh, and yeah. every time Melina takes a drink, she she coughs. <laughs> Yeah, most definitely I, has some spice in it, and I think I appreciate that. I took a sip, and I feel like it, it de- like I could use like a salt rim around this. Oh my god, like, no! Was, this thing is so salty already. I feel like the whole damn salt shaker is inside of here. It's too salty for me. I actually like that. I like salt on in my beer. I like salt I in don't. my tecate. Never mind. You're right. You're correct. Because yes. I think the first time, because I did squeeze some lemon in it. Yeah. So the first bit that I got was, I think, mostly lemon. 
I have a Juice? friend who, but, when yeah. she gets Coronas, that's the first thing she does is sprinkle salt in it, and it turns my stomach. Really? Yes. Mm. To think about it. And this is way too salty for me. That's interesting. That is really interesting. No, and um, I... Uh, I have yours, so... <laughs> <laughs> You're more than welcome mm. to it. <laughs> um, I actually really like this. Yeah. I think um, it's... Definitely something I would go to instead of drinking like a Corona or like mm-hmm. it's, like this would be something nice to take in a four pack to a party like you know uh-huh. um, it's really laid back uh, if it's really cold I'm sure it's like even better if you put ice like it said in the yeah, instructions yeah. Um, I really like the kick spice but I think I would um, rim it with lemon and maybe some some cayenne pepper or something Oof. or something sweet or something sweet con como chamoy yeah yeah well. I I can taste the craft beer in it. Yeah, most definitely. So I I definitely can tell that it's not just a Corona or a Modelo or whatever in here. I can taste the craft beer in it. And there is, I mean, uh, craft lagers and pilsners and stuff, um, they're light beers, but they still have a yummy beer taste to them. Mm -hmm. Very Mm -hmm. flavorful, not watery like most beers that I've had from Mexico. Um, (laughs) I can can taste that base in here. Um, But it's so super overpowered by the salt taste to me that I, I can't enjoy it. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Thank you. So, so I think, well, I think we're ready to rate it. Um, we have two more in queue, so I think we're ready, and I think, um, I think I'll go first. Okay, so this is for the Tio Rodrigo Craft Beer Michelada original Original, flavor. Yes, exactly. I'm gonna go a full. Okay. So this is a, um, what is it? Five, five, uh, point five point rating system. Our five point system starts with flaccid. <laughs> As a one, and then a two is initial, a three is partial, a four is full, and a five out of five would be rigid with a six out of five being super saiyan. So, Sarah, you're actually giving it a four out of five. Yes, this is something I would definitely have on a summer day, I would share this with my husband. I think, uh, what's the percentage on it? Oh, I don't know. I did not see. It's a 4.5 ABV. Oh, oh okay. okay. Mm-hmm. Mm. So it's kind of perfect. Um, this is something I would definitely like share with my husband and I think the share factor and the fact that I know that he would probably like it as well it makes it a really good beer to have like on hand in storage yeah. or um, in the fridge at all times. And the fact that I had to buy this four times in order for us to rate it, I think, but I think yes. that, that was more with the mango and the, um, oh, this, that's so right. This is your first, first time, time with producing. this one. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's my rating. So for those of you who do like, um, Micheladas or Bloody Marys, I think definitely you would love this one because that they're very similar to what I've had before um, when I've had micheladas or, or original micheladas or Bloody Marys. So um, you want to go next, Melina? Sure. I agree with Sarah. Um, I definitely would drink this with my boyfriend while he has his modelos. I can have this. <laughs> <laughs> I would definitely prefer this. I mean, we like to make our own, but this one's... Almost as good as the ones we make, so. <laughs> well, I keep, no, really? Or no. no? Okay. I'm like, 
<laughs> and, I, and I wonder I like if you it. use this as a base for the ones that you make and just kind of embellish it. Yeah. I think, I think it would be like a super good kick. Yeah, that that actually is um, a good idea. Because I was just going to say, I hear people talk about making their own all the time. Yes. So I bet that on those days where you just didn't make it out to get all of the ingredients that you wanted, but have some of the ingredients, maybe this would be like a good base for you to start oh, with. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. So this is Kristen, and I am going to give it a two out of five, just because I am not a fan of micheladas, and the saltiness is just so heavy on my palate that I couldn't even enjoy the rest of it. So um, I'm giving it a two out of uh, five, so I'm giving it an initial. There's a little bit of excitement there, but not not enough to actually get the job done. Uh, this is Jen, and I am, I'm gonna go with Kristen, and I'm gonna give it an initial as well. Simply because as I was tasting it, I, <laughs> I, uh, I was, oh, I'm, uh, overwhelmed by the spice, and at first I couldn't taste the salt because I had poured some lemon into it, but uh-huh. when I took a second sip, I yeah, I could 100% taste the salt in just that. It, it tasted like water mixed with like like you know how um uh, moms make chili sometimes in glass containers. Yes, and stuff like that? yes. Oh, it feels wow. like someone poured it in there <laughs> and then poured it in a cup. That's so, so funny. Yes, and, and then like <laughs> sprinkled some salt in there and like it's just like water, chili, and salt. That's so funny because lemon. that chili taste stays. Like yes. my grandmother mm-hmm. used to have. Two blenders, one for making chile and one for making um, everything else. Everything else, but mostly it was ice cream um, shakes. Uh-huh. Don't ever get <laughs> them mixed up, them mixed which up. she would sometimes, and you could taste it. Your shake tasted like chile, <laughs> dude. <laughs> one, one, one time for a baby shower, I decided to make the um, uh, the carrot cake. And I did it on one of the ollas que tenía chile. Um, so it came out spicy. That's funny. <laughs> with a kick. <laughs> it, came, it comes with a little kick. But yeah, that's what it tasted like. And like I could have like some vague idea of alcohol in it. But it wasn't like, it wasn't like a, like some of the sours we've had before. Uh-huh. Where it was immediately, immediate disgust. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that would have oh, qualified yeah. it as a flaccid. Yeah. But I wasn't as, I didn't like it as much as you two did. So it's not, it doesn't even really break a three for me. So it's going to be an initial. I'm honestly waiting for that mango one because mm-hmm. I feel like that one might be, I would have gone with a three on it if I, if that had been the only one we had. But since I know that there's other flavors, <laughs> I'm holding out hope for that mango one. Nice. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's it's good to note that the two that they give uh, give it the lower rating do not like micheladas. Yes, yes that is also worthy of note. We're not fond Mi- of, of micheladas. micheladas. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that makes sense. So that was our beer rating, guys. So, Melina, now that we have you nice and uh, warmed up with michelada, (laughs) (laughs) we'd love to have you introduce yourself to our listeners, because we know all about you, um, and tell them a little bit about how you got into comics and just really um, what what made you that comic queen that we know that you are today? <laughs> Thank you for the honor of that title because I feel like I'm so not worthy. <laughs> um, 
But I appreciate it. I, um, well, my name is Melina Chavarria, as you mentioned, and I got into comics in 2017 was when we first published issue one. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but the work obviously started before that. Right, yeah. So a little bit of background history about me, myself. Um, I grew up in Las Vegas, Nevada. Born and raised there. Moved out to Los Angeles in, um, when I was about 25. So, so last year. A while <laughs> Yeah, last year. That sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I've been out here for about 13 years now, so you guys can do the math. Um, and I, actually, my background is in completely different you know, things that I never even thought right. like mm-hmm. comics would be anywhere what I would be doing. But, um, I went to school and got a bachelor's in counseling. I mm-hmm. have a master's in psychology. Mm-hmm. I worked in retail for 15 years wow. and did human resources also. So, uh, but really always wanted to be a writer. When I went mm-hmm. to college, I just had a passion for writing, whether it was poetry or whatever. I always did really well in my English classes, but never pursued it because it was always like, you don't make any money off of that, or yeah. it's very difficult, yeah. you know, to get in that industry. And also because during that time, we didn't have as many Latinx, you know, creators. Mm-hmm. You know, I did, um, finally, when I finally was in college, I got introduced to Sandra Cisneros and Luis Rodriguez and those mm-hmm. um, writers who kind of just, you know, paved the way for the rest yeah. of us. Um, but before then, like growing up in middle school and high school, you never saw, yeah. you know, anyone from our community, um, published mm-hmm. in the library or books in the library. So I didn't ever think that that would be a possibility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now it's really awesome that we have, you know, so many options and that that is a possibility. Yeah. So I got into comics just because, you know, I live in South Central or like in the Watts area and I'm um, actually Sarah's neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> so fast to get here today. Oh, nice. Um, so anyway... But, you know, living in this community, you know, I get to see a lot of different things and um, experience a lot of different things, have a lot of different conversations with people. And I just felt like there's so many great stories to be told, yeah. you know, and really tell them from our perspective um, and really make sure that, like, we're doing honor and justice to, like, what's really happening in the community Mm-hmm. And have it be the main focus because, you know, a lot of times we're the supporting cast. Right. Mm-hmm. Or they're killing us off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Or they're just giving us this like negative, you know, point of view about like what's happening in our communities. Um, and where we're victimized or we're the villainized. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's just empowering to be able to tell your own story. So yeah. mm-hmm. I wanted to be able to do that justice. And, you know, through some personal experiences with some friends of mine, I just um, got inspired to write the magic classes, and that's was, you know, my entry into this world. You know, I got hooked up with my creative partner, Jean uh, Munson, mm-hmm. who's the artist, and just a kick-ass <laughs> yeah. woman. Um, but she and I got connected through my sister, and um, and then we just, you know, went from there. We discussed our story ideas, and in 2016 is really like when we you know, hit the ground running to try mm-hmm. to get this published, and we published issue one yeah, in mm-hmm. 2017. That's awesome. That's that great. is really great. So you touched on it a little bit, but, like, how do your experiences being Latinx shape your storytelling? And uh, we had, uh, in our previous episode of Las Platicas, we had uh, Eric Pepper Rivera, and we had kind of touched upon the fact that um, uh, uh, some stories, if they're not told from a Latinx perspective, are racist. 
if it, if it, in specific, if it's not a Latino artist that's speaking their experience and it's would, even if it was someone else, it would be racist. Mm-hmm. And kind of like, uh, I wanna like hear like, how do you, uh, take like stories, like the magic glasses, if it was written by somebody else, I would, have thought it to be a little condescending, mm-hmm. uh, on a, but because it is you, mm-hmm. it's, it's empowering. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, like how do you, how do you think like how there's unique experiences of the Latinx community that are unique to us and that nobody else will understand? And you've done a really good job of depicting that. Thank I think. you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that makes me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> I have to tell you, right now. Mm-hmm. just, this is Kristen just butting in before Melina gives her answer, but Jen felt so seen. <laughs> when we read this book. It, yeah. Aww. In Magic Glasses. I was just Thank like, you. oh shit, this is a call out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow, let's see. I'm, I'm also butting in. This is her, but yeah, I mean, one of the things that was really cool about seeing this character is she plays video games. Mm-hmm. And that's something you don't see. Like, mostly video games are targeted for men, young men. Young um, white men. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so, like, and I know a lot of girls that play video games, like Jen. Yes. And uh, it was great to see this on on the comic book so mm-hmm. I, I was like also I also love that about the comic book so well, awesome <laughs> thank you for that I'm feeling a little overwhelmed right now but uh, <laughs> with joy mm-hmm. it brings me joy <laughs> not being thrown away um, so back to your original question was like mm-hmm. how did my Latinx experience like help mm-hmm. I guess influence the way I told this story and yes. like I don't know, there was a second part of your question, but hopefully I can <laughs> get to it. For sure. But um, just in terms of how my experience is, I mean, again, I shared that I didn't grow up with a lot of, you know, role models or just being able to see that, like, you know, our stories are being told, whether they're in, like, a mm-hmm. book or in the mm-hmm. media, like on TV or anything like that. Or if we were portrayed, it was always, you know, in... um very stereotypical roles, mm-hmm. you know, when mm-hmm. it came to like, um, you know, females being a housekeeper, which incidentally my mother is, you know, yeah. is a house, um, you know, mm-hmm. um, raised mm-hmm. us and she provided for us as a maid. And I mm-hmm. still think like it's an amazing job and I don't like mm-hmm. ever think anything bad about my mom for having had that job because it's a job she had to do to provide for yeah. us, to mm-hmm. give us the opportunities we had. So mm-hmm. I, have so much respect for mm-hmm. that Absolutely. kind of work, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think now if I were to tell a story like that would be the perspective I would take, you know, of that kind of job or that kind of role where, you know, back growing up, it was always seen as something negative, you yeah. know? Yeah. yeah. And even our parents, you know, in raising us, like, you don't want to be doing what I'm doing, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Want something and, now, better. and I look at it, I'm like, there's nothing wrong with what you're right. doing yeah. because, mm-hmm. you know, you were able to provide for us and you were able to give me just the opportunity mm-hmm. to like go to college and all these amazing things. So, right. mm-hmm. you know, thank you to my parents for Trabajo honesto, <laughs> as they would say. Yeah. Honest work, I guess. Mm-hmm. It is honest work and now oh. it's just crazy. But anyway, so my parents obviously and then their influence, um, play a big part in my relationship with my parents played a big part in the story too, because I was that rebellious teenager. So I remember mm-hmm. those conversations. And I do see it like mm-hmm. it wasn't just exclusive to me because I see it even happening now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and any time I get the opportunity to talk to like college students or high school students, they're like, yeah, they're able to relate to that like phase in their life that they're in of like trying to figure things out and just how yeah. mm-hmm. tough our parents can be because 
for one, I think because they made so many sacrifices, whether they immigrated here or whatever the situation may be, like it was in my case, it was always like, you have to be that much better because oh, yes. mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. sacrifice so much and, and you can't just do this, you yeah. know, when we <laughs> put everything on the table for you to aspire yeah. for more. So I think there's sometimes a pressure that you feel, mm-hmm. you know, that can be kind of the pressure of failing. Yeah. The pressure of failing can be debilitating, mm-hmm. you know, in a, in a mm-hmm. sense that like, you just not really sure like what direction to go in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, I just want you to know that I'm 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 feeling very seen right now. I'm like, I'm just like I'm just like all right, you're just you're just like specifically talking about me right now. <laughs> no, because I know I went through it, you know. Yeah. So whenever I have young women that come to me, um, you know, whether it was at work or whatever, and we'd have these conversations, it'd be like it's something so normal, you know. It's yeah. just a phase of your life that you're in, and and we have them throughout our life too, Absolutely. right? Like, I'm just gonna in my mind, I was just thinking she's talking to uh, Jen, saying I feel so seen, but in your forties. You go through the exact same thing. I mean, they don't call it midlife crisis. (laughs) And I remember at at 25 when I moved here, I I called it a quarter Quarter, life crisis. I I did too. I was going through a quarter life crisis. And now, yeah. So, you know what I'm going through right now? (laughs) But I think, you know, just you evolve Mm -hmm. and and you Mm -hmm. always come to these crossroads where you're kind of questioning yourself. So, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I, I try to tell that story, you know, in the magic glasses, but also making sure that, you know, I kind of infuse some of like what's happening in the family. Like, um, many of our families are very, um, religious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I grew up in a very religious home, not, not a Catholic home, but in this mm-hmm. particular story, she is Catholic or Christian and, you know, she, her mom wears a cross and she's yes. very like, you're going to church with me, which is things that my mom would always tell me. So, diablo, I don't know. But, um, so I wanted to like also be able to share that, um, as part of our experience because, um, that plays a big part, you know, in mm-hmm. our lives is, um, this question about like, whether there's a God or not, or having faith and mm-hmm. that everything's going to work out. And that's a common theme, not just for myself, but as I talk to, you know, friends and family of mine, mm-hmm. um, that are Latinx. Um, so I wanted to be able to infuse all of that into that. Yeah. And I think you did a really good job. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. I, your other part of your question though, was like about the racism. Uh, yeah. I, um, uh, we had touched upon the fact that if, um, uh, that if this had been written by somebody else, like, uh, like there's, there basically that there are stories that are uniquely, can only be uniquely told by yeah. somebody who's Latinx. So mm-hmm. it would more, not more of a question, more of a like, uh, an observation mm-hmm. that if this story had not been written by you, I would have been like, Psh, what do they know? <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I think they have to be just, because there are people that create stories that are like about mm-hmm. us, right? I mm-hmm. think they just have to be very careful to like, um, do their research and collaborate mm-hmm. yeah. with the right people mm-hmm. and really get a good point of view, you know, because mm-hmm. it's not to say that they can't tell our stories. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. that, you know, it's time for us to be able to tell our own stories right. too. Yes. So, mm-hmm. you know, and we can't wait for other people to be telling them and telling them accurately mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, which is what we waited for for so yeah. long. And now we're like, mm. <laughs> yeah, time to tell our own stories. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We want to give it from a different point of view. I know we've been touching a lot about uh, the magic glasses, and I know that a lot of listeners haven't um, read the book. 
Um, for instance, a lot of uh, us here were saying that we can identify a lot with the characters. I can identify a lot with the relationship she has with her mom. It totally mm-hmm. reminded me of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think on a panel that we were on together, I'm like, I hated the main character in the first issue because she reminded me of me and how I was really mean to my mom. Mm-hmm. So um, tell us more about the magic. Tell, tell us all about the magic glasses. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> well, and it, I'm going to tell you that so far um, I've written the whole series, but I'll just oh, obviously okay. we have, we have issues one and two out already, um, and we're working on um, maybe having this be up to five issues. Nice. Mm-hmm. But um, in issue one, basically I focus on giving everyone an introduction to our heroine, Rye Haiti, and she's very... Um, Insecure about where she's at in her life, right? Just getting out of high school, trying to figure out everything she's going to do with her life. Um, just focused on being self-obsessed in her friends and social media and going out partying and raving and gaming all day also. So um, pretty much her mom's like, get a life, like get it together. You know, mm-hmm. like, again, like I put you through high school and, you know, I'm ready for you to like help me out here in the household. Her mom is a single mom. Um, so she just needs her support. So there's a lot of, um, behind, you get the behind the scenes feel of what's happening in Haiti's life at home. Mm-hmm. Um, Haiti decides to rebel and like sneak off to this rave. And she has a chance encounter with, um, Jesus, who's her Uber driver. <laughs> and tries to like knock some sense into her. Um, so I do l- use a lot of like magical realism in my mm-hmm. story because mm-hmm. that's just my favorite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's what we're known for. Yeah. <laughs> that sentence in it, we we have to. That, that has to be like a quote uh, on the, the video. <laughs> she has a chance encounter with Jesus, her Uber driver. <laughs> <laughs> so in issue two, you know, she makes it to the rave, and we see that like her friends are you know partying it up without her. And she's feeling mm. left out and. But at the end of the story, she actually, her, her best friend gets arrested. And, you know, mm-hmm. her best friend at this point has been, what she felt was ignoring her. Mm-hmm. So she's really just, like, conflicted about, like, you know, what's happening with her friends, but also, like, trying to figure just everything out that's happening in her life. And the focus of the second issue is also introducing the magic glasses and, like, the fact that she has to find them to really mm-hmm. figure out what she's capable of and figure out how to help her friends, right? Mm-hmm. So... Honestly, like, I had only written up to two issues <laughs> when we first published issue and I didn't know what direction we were going to go in. Mm-hmm. But after seeing everything that's been happening in our community since 2016, you know, with um, the DACA um, mm-hmm. issues that we're having with the immigration reform and, you know, just other other things that, um, that happened, um, I really took some time this last year to really flush out my ideas of what the rest of the series needed to look like. Mm-hmm. And I thought about telling almost um, the same story, but from a different point of view. So in issue three, what I decided to do was um, bring it back to Bertha, who's her best friend, and tell mm-hmm. the story from her point of view. So wow. we're going to get a behind wow. the scenes look at, you know, who Bertha was, because I think at this point in issue one and two, she seems kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, just this crazy party girl, mm-hmm. and we don't know yeah. a whole lot about her, but she's... You know, like parting it up with this guy, and she's all over Hades' love interest, and you know, <laughs> and we kind of probably hate her a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I really wanted to tell Bertha's side of the story because I feel like a lot of times um, we don't, we only see things from our perspective, right. you know. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be able to show that, you know, again, like using the glasses as a um, metaphor, <laughs> nice. be able to show you that there's other parts to people, mm-hmm. yes. you know, and there's more to a person than what 
you know, what you sometimes see. Right, yeah. yeah. So I'm hoping that you get, like, a really good, you know, backstory about Bertha, and then we get to see what actually happens and what causes her to get arrested. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. I can't wait. <laughs> when is this good. one coming out? Next but, year, oh, 2020. Excellent. Nice. Oh, my God. Looking forward. Plenty of time for all of you listeners <laughs> to catch up with <laughs> yeah. uh, issues one and two. So in that issue, though, I do try to cover um, slut-shaming, body-shaming. Wow. And also talk about, like, um, we're going to make, um, I made... Bertha, DACA recipient, and just kind of mm. her, you know, oh, fears wow. of everything that's happening with that, and how that plays a role in some of her behavior, and just mm. everything that's happening. Mm. That's, so, wow, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. That's awesome. I don't know if you guys already took a look at the cover art, but Jean did an amazing job with the cover she art. She always does. It's yeah. amazing. Thank you. Art. Yes. I, I really love her. And she's so cute whenever we <laughs> met her in person. Oh, yay. Talk to her. And she's always so supportive. In fact, I had a friend who went to a comic convention in Vegas a couple hmm. of weeks ago, and weeks ago, months ago, I don't remember, I think it was June or something, it was uh, one of the summer conventions, and she just happened to be by, walking by the table, and she's like, oh, that looks interesting, and she struck up a conversation mm-hmm. with um, with her, with Jean, and I think she actually was like, oh, you should, my friend has a podcast, whatever, and Jean's like, I know all about Kamazi. <laughs> and they took a picture together and she sent it to me. Oh, My friend awesome. did. I was like, oh, that's so cool. We love magic glasses. Oh, Jean. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's going to be so happy. <laughs> speaking about Jean, we've talked about how you've met her, you met her through your sister uh-huh. and how, um, you guys collaborate and she still lives in Vegas. Yes. So tell us, how is that collaborating with an artist who is not local, who you have to kind of work your schedule and I mean, like, how does that work for maybe people who I know we get questions a lot um, from creators who are like, I'm only this and I'm trying to find this. But how do I do it if they're not near me? So, like, how does that work to have a collaboration with someone who isn't local, who's your artist for your book? I think, you know, one of the things that Gina and I did first before we even started the process of creating magic glasses is just build our friendship. You know, mm-hmm. like we met nice. each other in person. Yeah. We would talk about our projects and I different ideas. Um, and I think that was really important rapport to establish before, you know, really investing into this work because it's mm-hmm. a long time commitment yeah. we've made to each other, Gene. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, and that was important because we both have very different lives or very different people, um, and have other commitments mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. You know, Gene actually, she does so much. It's so great. Um, she obviously st- had started um, her career doing her own comics. I'm mm-hmm. um, talking about herself growing up in Guam um, as a student leader in her high school and kind of just some of the, like, you know, things that she dealt with um, growing up. But um, she furthered her career, and she is actually an amazing leader in the Vegas comic community because she hosts a lot of different workshops for oh, wow. for indie creators. Her husband and herself, they started an independent publishing com- company called Pop- Plot Twist Publishing. Nice. Oh, That's a cool nice. name. Yeah. And then they also, she also, she works for um, the Women's Research Institute on uh, the UNLV campus back home. So she does a lot of women's leadership conferences. Yeah. And just, you know, she just does so many amazing things. She was just honored, I think, um, in the, like, Women's Hall of Fame in Vegas. Oh, wow. Um, you know, she's doing different, like, panels and just, um, she's just doing just a lot of amazing Mm -hmm. things. So this year, she was focused on 
doing more of her own projects. They just did their first like mini like zine fest in Vegas. Which, mm-hmm. This is something oh, wow. that her and I talked about when we went to New York last year. Like you know all of the different things we hope to yeah. to achieve, and she's just doing it all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's amazing. So. You know, you have to remember when you do partner with somebody that they have a life outside of your project. You can't be married to the timeline. You can't yeah. be married to those mm-hmm. kinds of things because thing life happens, mm-hmm. you know. And mm-hmm. if you can understand that, then the partnership's going to go great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. otherwise, it's, it can get crazy. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know. Messy TM. Messy. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really fortunate. And, um, you know, so we make it work. We... You know, try to, we say connect obviously through social media all the time, but also through text, um, or email. And when it's time to actually like grind down and work on the comic, then we're, you know, try to have a little bit more of like conference calls mm. or FaceTime calls and different things like that to make sure we're on the same page. Yeah. I do email her like she, she knows the whole rest of the story mm-hmm, and how it's mm-hmm. going to go. So she has able to then give me feedback on you know, her point of view yeah. and where maybe I'm too text heavy because, you know, mm-hmm. I, I write it in a certain way that maybe not be compatible or appropriate for a comic format. So that she kind of helps me to like, yeah. you know, edit it a little bit further. That's yeah. actually um, a good point mm-hmm. because there we find even in the big two uh, Marvel DC stuff that um, writers who might not necessarily or who, who don't come from a comic writing background they write prose novels and they get into comics they actually tend to be very text heavy and very um, <laughs> very, wordy. very wordy yes mm-hmm. and so it's definitely a um, skill to write for comics mm-hmm. and to remember that there are pictures for a reason that they they tell they help tell the story so mm-hmm. it's actually you are very i think um lucky to be able to have an artist who you can work back and forth with like that to edit as you go yeah for mm-hmm. sure i mean she's helped me understand a lot that like you know the things that we can tell with her pictures versus like by me actually like saying it yeah having it be mm-hmm. part of the dialogue yeah yeah which is helpful <laughs> definitely <laughs> all right guys i think that's a great time to break for another beer then this time guys we're gonna do the mango so okay mm. hell yes so we're very excited to do that one and it's again by the same tio rodrigo san luis obispo and we still have mango pieces here <laughs> oh, you could yeah. throw that in there uh-huh i think i will all right so i need tio to uh to come through yeah <laughs> I no, smell I, it all the way from over here. I wish they, it was a bit colder. I, um, we're, we're doing a, a remodeling of the, um, como se llama? The, um, oh, I just noticed it wasn't like, don't it, see the fridge. It was, uh, we're doing a remodel of the room. And so I, I have some panels, um, in front of the refrigerator. This one's for you. I didn't fill it up. I'm sorry. Oh, um, that's fine. That smells pretty good. All right. So, um, another short little tidbit about this, uh, this beer is like, I told you guys before that we, I actually had to buy this specific flavor and this specific one five times because I kept drinking it, um, even though it was meant for Melina. And so <laughs> on the fourth time that I went to go buy it, I actually, I was waiting to get checked out and there was a gentleman having a conversation with, um, the owner of the shop of Torrance Beer Cellar. 
And then when I approached, he's like, how do you like that beer? Signaling to the michelada. I'm like, I actually like it. I, it's, I've drank it four times when I'm not supposed to. <laughs> and then I told him about our podcast, and he's like, oh, that's my beer. And so he gave me his card, and I actually got to meet Will Plummer, who is a... He is the representative of, he's the rep for this beer, so. For the, the slow sales. brew? Yes, exactly. The sales rep. The nice. sales rep. So, um, shout out to Will Plummer. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, yeah, so, uh, anyway, that, it actually propelled me to actually buy all three flavors and taste them on the podcast. So, have a taste, guys. So this is the Theo Rodrigo Craft Beer Michelada, mmm, Sabor Mango. What do you guys think? I think it should Smells be- Smells cool. mango-y. Yeah. <laughs> I think it should be colder for sure, and that's my bad. This is Kristen. It still does have a little bit of a kick. Not as bad as the other one. I do enjoy this one better, though. The mango flavor. See, it's because I don't like micheladas or Bloody Marys or whatever. So anything that makes it not taste like (laughs) one, I like. So I like this one better. There we go. That's better. But, um, (laughs) but let me, let me drink some more and, and see. So. Uh, on initial sip, I will admit that I was just like, it, it felt like I took a bite into a green mango. Green? Yeah. Uh, uh Meaning mango. not ripe or just? Yeah, mango okay. verde. Also, yeah, like not ripe. And like, you can eat those like that because uh-huh. there's some, there's some, uh, factor into that. Um, so basically it was just like a tad, a tad bit bitter to me. Mm. Uh, but it, I did like it more than the other one. Yes, I like uh-huh. it more than the other one too. And then I threw in some mango pieces that we had floating Ooh, around here, nice. and it shot the flavor up a lot for me. So, this so is, I I can genuinely say I enjoy this. Mm-hmm. So this is a kind of beer that you can garnish with, uh-huh. I guess. Yeah. So yeah, it's meant it's a michelada. To, so it's mm-hmm. meant to have like lime or chamoy around the rim or mm-hmm. um, like you put in mango pieces. So I think this is this is really cool. I like it. It's very versatile. Yeah, I think by itself, I think we might be doing it a disservice by drinking it by itself. Mm. I think these are definitely, um, uh, what I'm getting I is mean, when you look at the picture on it, they have rimmed with, mm-hmm. um, what is that, that stuff called? Um, chamoy? No, um, the, the pottery stuff. Uh, como yeah. se dice este? Uh, tajin? Tajin, tajin yeah. Tajin. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh my god, this with tajin? Yeah. Hell yes. So the tahine <laughs> and there's mango in it and lime and so yeah, uh, the picture of what you could actually do with it looks very inviting. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking that the last one I'm gonna rim for you guys. <laughs> so okay. I, you're gonna do a rim job for us. I for rim job did for not guys. finish the other one because I just was not a fan. That's okay. Um. But I'm drinking a lot more of this one, and I'm really enjoying it the more I drink it. I, I really am no. enjoying mm-hmm. it. And like you said, uh, it shot up the flavor with the fruit inside. I just threw in some fruit, too. So it's really d- delicious. I ate it fruitless, or I drank it fruitless, <laughs> but it's still it was still really good. And I'm really enjoying that spiciness yes. to it. Because it has a sweet of the mango mm-hmm. plus the spiciness. Yeah. yeah. And you still can taste the craft beer. That's one thing that I actually am very surprised at. I, I, I thought that these were just gonna be straight up, like, Corona. I don't know what I thought, but not good. <laughs> um, but, um, I thought that the flavoring was going to overshadow the beer. Mm-hmm. Because the fact that it actually says Crafty Beer Michelada on it, 
I I rolled my eyes at it because I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I can taste it, and the the beer actually is good. Yeah, it is. I I really enjoy it. Like I said, I've I've purchased this five times. Yeah, <laughs> I can taste this one a lot better than the other one. So, um, are you ready to rate the mango iteration of Tio Rodrigo's craft beer Michelana? Uh, yes. What is our rating scale? So, from a, uh, uh, one to five, starting with flaccid, initial, partial, full, and then rigid. And then Super Saiyan if it's amazing. I think this one with fruit and all the garnishes, I think it would go rigid. Really? Yes. Nice. Because just with the fruit alone, yeah. it was like amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I am going to give it a full. Ooh. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna stick with that. Because okay. I think once I put That's a four out of five. Yeah. And I think it's because of what I'm thinking of, like, with like tahini and everything. Yeah. And I did like it a lot more once I put mango pieces in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like once it's done that, I think by itself, if I had just drank it straight up, I would have given it a three. Yeah. But because I put the mango pieces and now I'm imagining it with tahini. Yeah. It's, it's gonna be a four for me. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I actually did not put fruit in it, and I am going to give it a three. I'm gonna give it a partial, because, um, the mango was so much better than the original to me, because, mm-hmm. um, uh, the flavors all melded nicely. I do think that though if it was colder, it even would have shot it up a little bit yes. for me. Yeah. But drinking it at this temperature, I'm giving it a partial. Um, which is a three out of five. So Melina, I guess I I don't know what rigid was, but rigid is a five out of five. Yeah, I would do a five out of five. Really? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. For the same reason Sarah said, I think I would definitely see myself drinking this with like, but adding you know a few mm-hmm. other things to make it like a meal. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always see those Bloody Marys with like ribs and chicken legs. Oh my and god, that's too much. Have, <laughs> have you ever had one with bacon? No, no. So oh my so god. <laughs> I actually have a friend who turned me on to Bloody Marys and even though it sounds gross and it kind of like cognitively I'm like, ugh, gross, I actually kind of grew to enjoy them. Um, I probably haven't had a Bloody Mary in years, but um, uh, she made them to where I was like, oh, like I I could do this like on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. So, um, and one with bacon, I I definitely uh, <laughs> am all I, about anything with bacon on oh it. Oh my god, I am having a hard time conceptualizing that because it's just like it's the kind of savory that I'm not about. Ah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That was our beer review, guys, of the second beer. So, Melina, for anybody in creators listening, what challenges did you face with your projects, and what lessons can you pass on from what you've learned from tackling them? That's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) I think oftentimes is the first and the biggest challenge is always just overcoming your own self-doubt. You know, yeah. it's yeah. like, oh, in, in almost anything, I think, oh, in God, life for yes. sure. Exactly. Especially when you're starting a new industry, a new end of war, it's like, you know, you don't really know what's going to be in front of you or what you're going to face. So you're not really sure. And I find that a lot of times that holds people back. Mm-hmm. You know, I hear a lot and I get asked a lot. It's like, how did you, I only write or I only draw, like, how did you link up with an artist or with somebody that could do the other part of it? And it's like, 
you know, it's it's a matter of like getting to know people and building relationships. Like you can mm-hmm. do it online, but I just feel like that's a little more risky. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When you don't really know that person. Um, so, you know, that was the first challenge was overcoming my self doubt. Obviously, the second one was trying to find an artist, and I was fortunate that I always trust my sister's judgment in people <laughs> so, <laughs> that she could introduce me to somebody and. You know, after that, it was just really learning this business because I've never done this before. You know, I worked in business. I was business, you know, mm-hmm. uh, person. Um, so I kind of understood what it was going to take from a business perspective. Like you have to immerse yourself in it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mm-hmm. went before we even published the first issue in 2016. I'd go to different conventions. I'd go to different comic book stores and I just get comfortable talking to people about like, this is what I want to do. Like, what do you recommend? And, you know, being able to overcome that like nervousness of like interacting with people on that level, um, you know, that takes some effort. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I know a lot of artists that are very, you introverted. know, introverted. <laughs> and I'm mm-hmm. actually, people don't know this about me, but I am an introvert, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. but I know that I work at, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. because I want to accomplish something. I work at, you know, being able to put myself out there. But then when I'm not around people, I don't want to see people. <laughs> yeah. So that's so cool that you bring up that you, it was, um, it was a process of actually putting in the work to talk to other people, comic book shops, um, other people who read comic books to, uh, see where you can go with the story, which I thought was awesome because a lot of people think that they could just go in and just do it, you know, which is very, a valiant, beautiful idea but there has to be work behind it some research and so forth yeah for sure and then once you even have it published it's work like once you're at a convention or at an event and you're tabling it's work mm-hmm. talking to people that yeah. get, get them drawn to your story because especially at the bigger conventions there's mm-hmm. so many choices yeah. so mm-hmm. what is it that's going to stand out about your story you yeah know? Mm-hmm. what's unique about your story or how are you going to connect with the right audience Mm-hmm. Um, and that has been a process too, you know, over the last two years, like going to different conventions is like trying to find the right, um, events to be at where I could connect with the right audience that I'm, you know, trying to target, mm-hmm. um, because there's other conventions where I haven't done so well. And so after every show, it's kind of like asking yourself, like what went well, what didn't, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you know, is this something that I want to come back to? Was it worth, you know, the investment? And so from a business perspective, there's a lot of like, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> questions you have to ask yourself like that, mm-hmm. uh, for sure. And, you know, but it's not research you can do online. Sometimes it's like, yeah, real life experience. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. gotta, you yeah. gotta just do it and see what happens. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think that a lot of people don't realize that as an independent independent creator you wear so many different hats you might be the creator but you're not only the creator you're also the editor you're also the publisher you're also the marketer you're also you know pr yeah you do everything and so um i think that um having that business sense behind it uh actually is helpful and also I think is shocking to some independent creators when they're actually faced with what it really means to get their work out there. It is a lot of work. Yeah. Mm. And I do have to have that elevator pitch. I mean, obviously when you talk <laughs> to people and some people just kind of sit there and draw and just wait for people to like, just see their artwork, like to be discovered, like, Oh, you know, but mm-hmm. you do have to interact with the people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do. Um, I- one of the other things that, um, I noted is that you just, what was your support, family support system like? Because I know that that's important too, because you can get really discouraged at times. Sometimes, you know, people, 
yeah, you not everyone's going to be a fan of your stories mm-hmm. and it's not going to mm-hmm. connect with everyone. So when you get that feedback that like it's not their favorite story or they, you know, didn't really enjoy it as much, you have to have like some thick skin and just be resilient about like, okay, mm-hmm. like take it for what it's worth, but also like, you know, how can you learn and grow from that experience, you know? Mm-hmm. Um you know, do you take it as just like, okay, it's not going to connect with everyone, which is true for mm-hmm. everyone, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Your work's not going to connect with everyone. Um, but, you know, how can I continue to learn and grow as a writer? So mm-hmm. that's something that I'm always pushing myself to is like, you know, at least going to different writing workshops or conferences or at least, you know, a few times a year just to, you know, see what else I can learn so that my next story just keeps getting better and better. Um, I think I, I've said this before. Um and I really admire Javier also, uh, Javier Hernandez. You know, it's like, he's been doing this for 20 years yeah. and he's oh, a yes. master yeah. at his craft. He is. Yeah. He sure is. And for me, like, I was a master at my craft in my previous job doing it for 15 years. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I go in it now with the mindset of like, it may take me 15 years to get really good at yeah. what I'm doing and that's okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think a lot of times because we're so like conditioned to be instant gratification oh, <laughs> in mm-hmm. this day and age that we give up when it's like the first show and it didn't go well. You yeah. know, not all your shows are going to go well. Mm-hmm, <laughs> You're going to mm-hmm. have some that you sell out and some where like you barely like break even. <laughs> if you even yeah, break even, yeah. you know what I mean? So you can't like get discouraged. But back to your question about my family's support, you know, I don't have any family out here. Um, so I have had to build a support network around myself that helps me like with the kids or when I do schedule events or different opportunities like this, I have to schedule it when I don't have the kids or schedule somebody to assist me with the kids. Um, back home, I mean, my, my family is always very excited about the work that I'm doing. You know, um, if I do go to Vegas for a show there, they show up in numbers. My dad, our very first show for the first issue bought seven copies <laughs> for my younger sisters and all their little friends. And, oh, that's awesome. and I had other like friends that like showed up to do the same thing, which was amazing. So I really appreciate them. And I get a lot of support from my boyfriend too, to make sure that like, you know, either he helps me pack up for a show or picks me up from a show sometimes, or just, you know, what can he do if I have to be at a meeting or something like watch the kids for me or whatever he can do to like make sure I continue to be able to pursue this, so. That's them, awesome. Have the micheladas ready. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Having a supportive partner is super important. Yes. And I support my creative husband when he says, I have to work today, I have to do this drawing, or I have a show coming or whatever. I'm like, okay, I'll just sit here and watch TV and drink beer. <laughs> That's how I'm supported. <laughs> and um, to your point, actually, Melina, about just going out there and doing it, I think even with Komalasi Comics, we sat mm-hmm. at a table and we're like, what should we do? Should we wait? Should we plan this out? I was like, let's just do it and see what happens. Yeah. And if anyone um, says, uh, we don't like your show, we just say, you catch Jen's hands. Yep. Well, it's true. I mean, our very first show was the East LA Comic Con when it was called the East LA Comic Con, which is now the East LA Cape. Cape. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We lost our voice because we weren't really selling anything except ourselves. So we had to like do the pitch over and over again. So we lost our voice. And that first year was Mm -hmm. so crowded Mm -hmm. and there were so many people and it was just constant, this 
people coming in front of our table. Yeah, I lost my voice for like a, a couple, almost a week after that because I was just projecting yes. and talking so yeah. loud. And because there were so many people, I think we had to be really loud. And then we were giving away conchas, so there was a lot of people coming yes. by. You know, even if they just came for the concha, they would have to listen to us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gotta keep them out of obligation. Now. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. So we touched upon it a little bit in the beginning when we introduced you, but uh, as a Chicana Autism Warrior Mom, you also do a lot in your community around education and acceptance of autism. Tell us about the DSTL Arts and Artistic Zine. Yeah, so... By the way, thank you for that. That's amazing. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's amazing that you yeah, do we, that work. Yeah, we read the zine. Yeah. Uh, and it was really Yeah, we good. did. So uh-huh. good. Thank you. I'm yeah. so grateful that you had the opportunity to do that. I mean, you, you just, had more to say. you had, you just missed it, but, uh, we had a cake for my, for my nephew here and, um, his Nina came by and his Dino and they have two kids on the spectrum and I would have loved to have them meet you, but Aww. it was just, you just, did they get to see the zine? No, no. because, oh, okay. um, we were all in the cake and they were dancing because no they problem. put some music on and they were dancing. So it was just, uh, it was just amazing, but I just, I thought about your zine while I was watching them and yeah. anyway. Thank Sorry you. for interrupting. <laughs> it was just a heartfelt it's moment okay. when I was like, oh. "That's so cool." No, I appreciate that. So let me just start off with like how artistic zine was born, and I'll get into DSL arts oh, and all that. But obviously, um, I say this on everywhere I go, so everyone should know this about me. But I have two um, children on the spectrum; mm-hmm. they're ages ten and eleven, um, and it's been quite a journey for us, you know, to really try to figure out like the support and the services that they need to help them. Um, you know, be independent, as independent as they can be, mm-hmm. um, grown-ups one day, right? right. And I always yeah. think about what does their future look like? I think when they were first diagnosed, that was probably the most devastating thing for me because looking at the numbers out there, we see that individuals with autism are significantly underemployed or unemployed. Mm-hmm. And if they are employed, they're employed in places where that they don't really use their strengths to the best of their abilities. Mm-hmm. You know, they're stocking yeah. shelves, which there's nothing wrong with, but... You know, I feel like if we really got to know the individuals, like there's more to them and there's more we can tap into. So yeah. when I look at my kids and what they're naturally talented at, whether they can talk or not, because my youngest son, he's 10 now, but he didn't, could not talk till he was four mm-hmm. and he still struggles to communicate verbally. He yeah. has more language, but has a really hard time putting his thoughts together and like being able to give me a full sentence mm-hmm. sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when we are, navigating the school system with him it's like I don't necessarily have like in my mind that he's going to be in college one day which maybe he will be maybe he won't either way it won't matter because I know that he can still be successful mm-hmm. if we really um, create opportunities for him around what he's really good at mm-hmm. yeah and he's actually going to be a comic creator possibly nice. <laughs> yes. that's how he yeah. likes to spend his time he yeah. will like Make his own little comics of Captain Underpants, but you Aww. know, on the cover he'll write written by Elias Madrigal. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. Which is really cool. Um, lately also he's been like making his little like Mario brother characters and cutting them out and like doing his little things with them. So, you know, when I look at what they're good at, um, both of them are pretty artistic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
and I think like they just need to be um, mentored and guided to make sure that they have opportunities where they can show their art skills mm-hmm. and those skills that they have. My oldest also is a really good singer. He has per- perfect pitch and he can. Wow. <laughs> he's a uh, he's playing guitar now and he can play by ear. So basically, he can hear a song That's and he can figure out how awesome. to play it on the guitar. That is amazing. Um, so we're looking at how do we continue to like nurture those skills for him as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, so you know, not now necessarily always worried about like college as their destination it may be part of their journey but i'm not so worried about it anymore Mm -hmm. but with that being said i just um looking at my own children wanting to make sure that they always have have the right opportunities for them you know i know that a lot of times Mm -hmm. right now they don't they may not exist so i feel like this is for anyone if you see something and you see that that opportunity is not existing or that Mm -hmm. solution is not available at this moment maybe it's your calling to create that for other Mm -hmm. people and so mm-hmm. I knew that I wanted to create something where my kids could, some kind of platform where my kids could express, you know, their art skills. Yeah. And when I met um, Tanya Sotelo, who's actually my um, assistant editor, uh, we met at East LA Cape. Oh, wow. cool. Or, we, oh, nice. or I think we had kind of followed each other on social media for some time, but we actually tabled across from each other that particular day. I was going to say, that name mm-hmm. sounds familiar. <laughs> uh-huh. And then we were, um, she, she sells like, she does a lot of jewelry and bags and things mm, like that. Oh. Her husband's also an artist. So we're tabling across from each other and we're back and forth at each other's tables. And then we start figuring out that we have something else in common. Her son Fox was there with her that day and he was on the mm, autism mm-hmm, spectrum. Uh-huh. So we started to talk about our experiences and I just felt like it was the right time and the right person. I said, you know what? Mm-hmm. I've really been thinking about like creating maybe a zine or something for people with autism and their families. Like, mm-hmm. would you be interested in doing that with me? And she was like, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So we had a few other, um, shows where we tabled that, um, at the same time and we would talk and I, I happened to be a participant of the DSTLR workshops and I told um, the founder, Luis Pichardo, you know, this is my next project I think I'm going to be working on. Mm-hmm. And he says, well, that's really great because that falls in line with what my organization mission is. And I think that, you know, I'm at a point where I can bring you on and hire you both as consultants and have you guys like, Wow. Be the editors for this wow. next project. Uh-huh. So that was last year around this time. And since then we've published issue one and now getting ready to publish issue two by the mm-hmm. end of this month. But yeah. yeah. So really quickly about DSTL arts. Um, you know, I've been a participant for a few years, but it's a organization that focuses on developing art and writing skills for people in underserved communities. So he does a lot of workshops in like Highland Park, East LA, South LA, um, mm-hmm. Compton, um, they have a poet residency program now out of La Patria Coffee House. Wow. wow. Um, so it's, it's, he does a lot of different things. There's art block zine, there's, um, Conchas y Cafe zine, which is, Ooh. you know, for like <laughs> older writers. Um, mm-hmm. and I've been able to like have some of my poetry in some of those wow. zines. And then, you know, obviously the poetry and residency. Now he's actually also doing a program with Javier Hernandez. He's leading workshops on comics. Oh, wow. that's great. Yeah, comic making workshops. So the, the workshops, those are full right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're not sure if we're going to be able to do them long term, but they are doing them currently, which is oh. really exciting because, you know, Luis and I share passion for like making sure that people from underrepresented communities like have an opportunity. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because sometimes there is an access to, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, I just went to a different uh, conference uh, for 
the Society of Creative Writer or Children Writers and Illustrators. Uh, and they're amazing and they're great at focusing on diversity. But the conference is a little bit pricey, right? So if we're mm-hmm. looking at like creators from our community, sometimes maybe like financially it's not accessible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's why, you know, the work that we does is so important because it's still like, you know, being able to create that platform and also be able to help people develop their skills to give them the opportunities that they may otherwise not be able to have. Mm-hmm. Well, like, uh, um, the guest we had last time, Pepper, he was telling us about how he grew up in Watts and there was that, uh, kind of Watts renaissance where they like, um, support art mm-hmm. and support poetry and writing. Mm-hmm. And that actually is a really great creative outlet for young people. Maybe they're not going to pursue that in, you know, their career, but it's something creative that will occupy their mind in something positive. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that's wonderful. Yeah. The arts can be very healing. Oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yes. Not only that, because of like the zine and everything, you are giving these people who have autism a voice. So you're technically making, you're publishing their work. They have, they now have work that has been published. Yeah, and that is yeah, that's awesome. really cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they get to keep creative rights, you know. So mm-hmm. whatever they want to submit to other publications or public their own work, but um, at least you know we're trying to give that platform. So. Issue one was a little bit, it was more like the Melina and Tanya zine because, <laughs> you know, I mean, whenever you start something, it's just going to be a rough start like oh, that. Absolutely. We're, you yeah. know, we're getting the word out there. We're not getting as many submissions, but in issue two, we've had so many more oh, um, great. submissions. Oh, good. And we actually, one of our submissions is all the way from, um, a city that's like on the border of Mexicali, like oh, wow. I don't remember the name of the city, but I was like, whoa, like we're reaching people all the way out there, which mm-hmm. in our focus demographic is like, uh, is Southern California, so that's part of it. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, we're very excited about that because we're like, wow, like it doesn't have to just be like mining your work now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Well, reading the zine, I was actually very touched by the um, the submissions that were uh, in the book from parents, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, I don't have any children, but mm-hmm. I do have a few. Um, friends who have children on the spectrum and just having conversations with them, um, I could tell that this zine would, they would identify with it so much. And I have one friend that I think just knowing that she's not alone would mean so much to oh, her. Absolutely. And I already was like, okay, I need to give the zine to this person and this person <laughs> and this person. Oh, thank um, you. and, it was just really super amazing and it's, it's super important. And so yeah. thank you so much for taking that idea that you had and, and making it, making it real. Oh, thank you. I, I'm grateful like that everything kind of just aligned at the right time and then yeah. we're able to put it out there. And, um, you know, every, it's really pushed me because I mean, I think ever since I was a participant of his workshops, Luis was always like, you know, asking me if I wanted to facilitate his workshops. And I'm like, I'm just learning how to write myself. Like, I'm not confident or comfortable in that yet. And so for him to give me the opportunity to, like, be the editor-in-chief of this, um, which was was really cool. And even in the first issue, I felt like I needed him to, like, hold my hand a lot because I was like, what's next? Like, what do we do now? You know, but now that you 
do it now this the second one mm-hmm, like uh-huh. i feel so much more confident he just emailed me yesterday he was like this is great editorial direction and i was like <laughs> or strong editorial direction i don't know i was just like what <laughs> <laughs> i'm actually like learning and growing at my job and and, and that was a really exciting thing yeah you yeah know? um so i'm grateful for the opportunity but it's really awesome too to just like see the work like this next issue i'm so excited for it um every issue has a different theme for us this one was kind of our introductory zine that you guys got to look at called Spectrum. This next issue coming out is called um, Perception. Mm-hmm. And it's really around, um, you know, just wanting to learn from autistic individuals and their families, like how they experience life, you know, through mm-hmm. life through their eyes. And um, we've gotten so many great submissions. You know, one particular individual who talks about, like, you know, what just when he goes out, what he experiences, how overwhelming it can be you know, to his sensory system, to, um, ha- the social anxiety he deals with. And then we also have other submissions that are very empowering about how they, you know, see themselves obviously as more than Rain Man or right. some yeah. of these other depictions of like this being a very debilitating, you know, um, diagnosis, um, you know, and having, being able to like read from their perspective that, you know, it, they're empowered by this difference. Um, it, it's very, healing and it's very um comforting to me too because you know hopefully my kids can have that now to see that like yeah they're different but you know they can still be capable mm-hmm. yeah and they still have a lot of like strengths and things that they're good at you know my my son my oldest son struggles a little bit sometimes with self-confidence issues well he'll be like i just can't do that mom or i'm not good at everything mom and i'm like okay but you're good at some things you know, and yeah. not every, no one is good at everything. No, yeah. You're yeah. good at something. So let's talk about what you're good at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. When he gets into these, like beating himself up moments, yeah. like you're 11, <laughs> you're too young for this. But, um, you know, so I'm excited for him to like get older and contribute more and be able to see that these opportunities are available for him. Yeah, I really appreciated the um, the uh, letter from the editor at the beginning of the zine. I thought it was really great because um, it kind of sets the tone for the zine and how in Hollywood they're depl- you know most of the time when they have they're on the spectrum, it's like like you said, Rain Man, like some math genius or um, you know some savant, and that's not always the case for everyone, and that's that shouldn't be like the only representation of. Um, people that are on the spectrum should be out there. There should be more. And I, I really appreciate that about the zine. Good. I'm glad, yeah, because we we do have them all over the spectrum. And um, Tanya and I both share this <laughs> belief. Like, we hate labels like low-functioning, high-functioning, mm. you know. So try to be very careful about how we talk about the why it's a spectrum, you know, because there's diff- people with different abilities. That, that's just what it is, you know. And there's people that can communicate more verbally, Usually the nonverbal community or the nonverbal individuals tend to be labeled as um, low functioning. Mm. If they're, you know, have um, more sensory needs or more behavior issues, they're lower functioning also. Right now we're struggling actually with my younger son trying to find the right school for him because where he's at right now, like he's has too many like behavioral and emotional and sensory needs and it's very disruptive, you know, to the environment. Um, but then we have these other classrooms we're looking at where, you know, they're not going to be challenging him academically. So it's a fine line we're trying to look at because he's very smart. He just had and academically does really well, but has to do it at his pace, mm-hmm. you know, and has all these other challenges that, you know, 
I hate for people to look at him and say like he's low functioning or consider him that because whatever his challenges are are not going to determine where he's going to be when he's older. You know, it's mm-hmm. just things that we need to like help him through now or help him navigate now or have the right environment for him to thrive in. Yeah, definitely. All right, guys, I think that's a good break for another hora de la cervecita. What are we drinking now? We are drinking Tio Rodrigo's and it's the, uh, Blood orange flavor. Okay, so I'm really looking forward to this because mango was definitely a step up for me from the original. And Jen and I were having an interesting conversation about blood oranges. I was like, I love blood oranges. And she's like, oh, I don't really like them. They're kind of sour and it's just too much. I'm like, you know what? To tell you the truth, I don't think I've ever had a blood orange. I've just had blood orange flavored things. (laughs) So I honestly don't know if I like blood oranges or not. But I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. Um, I don't know. My mom loves blood oranges, but to me, they've always tasted very bitter. Mm. Um, uh, and like a lot of people are like, oh no, they're sweet or whatever. But I was just like, this is the medicine of fruit. <laughs> um, um, yeah, at least that's the, t- but the thing is, I do actually like blood orange flavored things yeah. as well. Yeah. Like there's a blood orange flavored jarrito that I really like. Mm-hmm. There is, um, um, blood orange, uh, Saison beer that we really yeah. like from mm-hmm. Dudes. Um, uh, so there's like some blood orange stuff that I do like, but the fruit itself, yeah, I'm like, uh, eh. So Sarah has dressed up our cups, our, our glasses now for this last one with, she rimmed the, um, glasses with chamoy and tahine. And so just smelling it, holding up close to my face my mouth is watering <laughs> um yes i rimmed it for you guys so um actually this one i also put in the freezer <laughs> just before oh okay so started, it's cold so it's cold so because of the flaws of the other tastings where some of it was a little bit warmer there wasn't garnish which is the rim stuff um i decided <clears> to <throat> go a little bit above and beyond and do it <laughs> So above and beyond. Well, above so, and beyond. So now all I can taste is the tahine. And I'm trying to see if I can actually just taste the, <laughs> the beer. You're right. I overdid it with the tahine, huh? But I really like this one. Oh, my God. This is delicious. I really like this one. No, oh yeah. This is good. This is really good. This is good. I got to say, when I tried it by itself, it was really bitter. Okay. But with this, it just perfect. Really, really good. Yeah, this is really good. This is I, I thought I was going to... Like the mango the best, but I like this one the best. Mm-hmm. And do you think it's because of the rim? I think it's, I think, at least for me, I think it's because of the rim. I don't know, because I had to try to get past like, the rim <laughs> to, to taste the beer. As I'm drinking it, I can taste that bitterness from the grapefruit. Yes. Like, I can taste it, but it's balanced out by the chamoy and the tahine. And then I can taste the beer as well. And it, because of... Uh, right now you just said grapefruit, and now that you're, you actually say grapefruit, it does t- kind of taste like grapefruit. Do, do mm-hmm. orange, blood oranges taste like grapefruit? Yeah, that, I'm, to me they've always been the same. And I don't think they are. No, they're not. That mm-hmm. much. But, grapefruit is, but like to me the taste has always been uh-huh. similar. Yeah. I don't like grapefruit and I don't like blood oranges because they taste the same to me and that's bitter. I love grapefruit. I can, I can <laughs> eat grapefruit just like, uh, mm-hmm. granted, when I was a kid, it was like, I slathered it with sugar first. <laughs> but, uh, grapefruit juice and, or mm-hmm. eating just grapefruit. I mean, it's sour, but I really like it a lot. And this mm-hmm. does kind of taste like grapefruit. Yeah. 
So that's why, uh, to me, like, um, they've always had this, ba- they basically have tasted the same. Mm-hmm. Because I've had both, and I remember someone to, uh, I think it was my mom. She was like, here's a grapefruit, here's a blood orange. And I was just like, these are the same fruit, why are you giving me the same fruit? Uh, <laughs> and she was like, no, they're not, they taste different. And I was just like, they do not. So, I actually don't know if it's doing a disservice to me to have the rim or not. Um, because now I can't really taste the beer as well as I tasted the other ones, but either way, I love it. So, um, one of the things I noticed about this beer is, you know how I always say that eating and drinking is not really my thing? It's either I drink or I eat? Yes, I think you're weird. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> so, with this one, I just started chewing on some fruit, and we just had some tostones that Frank brought over, and for me, I feel that this is a beer that I could have a meal with. Definitely. It's so very this, light. Yeah. yeah, it's not heavy mm-hmm. at all. Yeah, and the taste lends itself to eat while you drink. So you know, I'm glad you brought that up because it actually reminds me that when I have micheladas, usually that we prepare at home, I get so full right? that I can't like continue eating. Oh, exactly. because of the beer. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. The Modelos is what we usually mm-hmm. use, um, his beer of choice. But <laughs> <laughs> this is like light enough where I could like, like you said, like finish a few. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe have some chips on the side. Yes. <laughs> or fries. Or tacos. Carnes, yes. <laughs> or tacos. <laughs> so I'm, I'm trying to Google this book called Little Vampire. Or The Little Vampire. I can't remember. <laughs> but it's a book I found at a Comic Con a, a while back. And they, they to this day still have, um, a booth at Comic-Con in San Diego where they sell their books and they sell their dolls and they sell the little um little pins and stuff like that but I it's a tiny little kids book it's a all ages book actually and I love it it's little vampires and they're tiny little like uh pint-sized vampires and the thing that they love are blood oranges. <laughs> oh, and so, so the cute. stories are about them stealing the, the, they'll suck all of the quote unquote blood out of the blood oranges. Mm-hmm. So I was wanting to try to, uh, share that. Uh, so as you guys rate the beer for yourselves, I'm going to try to find, uh, so I can share that info with you because it's such a cute book. Okay. Um, this is Jen and I'll go first. I'm going to give it, um, not a rigid, uh, a full, uh, a four, basically a four out of five. To me, because with the tahini and the chamoy and everything, and the, it's cold, it's really, really good. But I think I still like the mango one more. Mm-hmm. And it's simply because I'm just not that fond of blood oranges. Mm-hmm. And that's like straight up. If it, if this had been the mango one like this, straight up five. Okay, got straight it. Straight up five. Yeah. Um, uh, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with four out of five for this one. I'm gonna go five out of five. I'm gonna go rigid because I think that I could eat with this, with this, uh, beer. Um, it's actually surpassed the other two with the, um, the rib job. Um, <laughs> so, um, and I mean, it was just a really great compliment with the tostones and the fruit because I ended up getting some fruit after I drank it or during drinking it and it was just, it actually made it all pop together. So I'm gonna go rigid. That's fair. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And I usually do not give rigid to such low alcohol content. This is like, <laughs> yeah, this is a big deal, guys. It's a miracle. <laughs> well, I don't want to feel like I'm disagreeing with everything you say, but I feel like you're my Michelada soulmate. So <laughs> <laughs> I agree. 
Um, and like you said, because I, I don't feel full. Like, we've already tasted three of these, and I feel like I'm okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And I think I'll be okay to drive. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Well, this is Kristen, and I am giving this one a five out of five. Wow. Because what? I really like it a lot. Oh, wow, you really do. <laughs> I really like it. And again, it could be the Chamoyan Tajin on there. I don't know. But um, I love the blood orange slash grapefruit <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I also don't feel full. And there's sometimes where we're here drinking the yes. beer, and I'm like, oh, and I'm sweating, and it's, <laughs> and it is, um, it's oddly for me refreshing. <laughs> yeah. So yes, this one I would go back and buy. Excellent. I definitely would go back and buy this one. Nice. I'm so glad you finally liked a michelada out there. So, <laughs> so we, I did my job. And <laughs> just a little side note, the book is called Little Vampires. And it's actually um, co-written by um, a female, Rebecca Hicks. And I believe her um, her co I don't know if it's the co-writer or um, if he's the artist, but um, his name is James Hicks. So, oh, I guess they might be somehow related. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yes, little vampires, and they're so cute, and I love them, and they're just like these little dudes here. (laughs) So definitely check them out and um, drink. I think they would love this Michelin. (laughs) You know, and it's so cool that you would rate it that because uh because of the tahin, I would think it would it would be more salty, saltier. It, you know what? It is salty, but it just for whatever it wasn't in the beer. Okay, that first one, it was just. It was like I had a salt lick, like I was a horse, and I was just <laughs> licking the salt. Did you do that? Because I thought it was I thought that was a myth. With salt this, licks? Yes. No, they're a real thing. Oh, snaps. Okay. (laughs) So that was the beer review. Melina, we have a... Sarah. (laughs) We have a segment on our podcast called Chisme de la Semana. So we want to know all the chisme. (laughs) Are there any stories, comics, projects that you're working on currently that you want to just me out about or anything about your vecinos or tios or <laughs> we set the we, we set them all the right now no um I mean we're working on issue two of artistic scene which will come out later this month probably by the end of the month oh this month already yeah. nice. nice excellent Just putting the last pieces of it together um and we're already su- accepting um submissions for issue Three, Three, or I guess it would be volume two, issue one, as my boss likes yeah. <laughs> Um And the focus or the theme around the, the next issue is going to be around advocacy. Oh, oh, nice. oh my gosh. I already have someone that I think might want to submit something. Yeah. The cool oh, thing, nice. the cool thing, guys, is when you buy the zine on the back page, it yes. tells you how to submit your story, your artwork, your poem, mm-hmm. whatever you would like to share with the world. And uh, even cooler than that, because that's actually pretty cool, but um, are all of the um, referrals and um, 
places in the back of the zine that people can go to for support and help. Yes. I thought that was amazing, that was and amazing. I, yeah, I, that I thought was that was really a good. great thing to to add in this scene. Oh, and awesome. both in English and Spanish. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're... Oh we're trying to make it a bilingual zine. Nice. Uh, we haven't had a lot of bilingual submissions. I wrote a Spanish, a poem in Spanish for the next first issue oh, too. Oh, nice. So that'll be a little bit of Spanish flavor in there. Mm-hmm. But, but yes, we do accept submissions in both English and Spanish. Oh, okay. nice. nice. I would, nice. oh my gosh, I have so many ideas. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. So other than that, um, we're working on issue three of the Magic Glasses, which will be out next year, 2020. And mm-hmm. outside of those two projects, I mean, I'm working on some like, children's stories that I don't have like anything solid yet to share with you guys but you know just trying to challenge myself with different ideas nice. so. well that's exciting actually because that was if you hadn't said that I was going to say there has to be more I mean everything you've shared with us to, today about all of your creativity oh, and vision you. and everything there has to be some other more awesome stuff floating around in there so there. I'm happy to hear that you have other ideas and projects you that you have kind of uh Wanting to maybe flesh out. Yes. Uh, the, the ideas aren't the problem. It's the fleshing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kind of, you know, mixed up in there. So. I had another question. Did you ever, uh, are you guys ever considering as a team, um, um, putting out more than ev- uh, twice a year on your autistic scene or? Um, I think for now because of funding and just okay. our, our own, um, capabilities of what we manage and juggle with our kids like twice a year is is big what, is, yeah. is a lot yeah. <laughs> it's a huge end of war trust yeah. me okay with everything else we're juggling um you know i mean if ever anyone else takes over the project then may, perhaps we may see more um what we are working on is trying to establish a location where we can have um Zine making workshops with autistic wow. individuals. Oh, nice! Mm-hmm. That done, is amazing. We've done a few, but we want something that's like a reoccurring, like monthly right. thing. Mm-hmm. So we're well, looking at locations all, for that. Also, have all the supplies on hand instead yeah. of like setting it up every time. Yeah, that that goes a long way because if you have like a space where you can just have everything and not have to set up everything and then worry about the kids, I think when you have everything set up and bring them in to just experience it, I think. That doesn't take up as much as your energy as, you know, doing it all, setting it up every time. Yeah. Where are you looking at space to set? Not sure yet. <laughs> you guys so, know of any places that we're open to that. But yeah, we're nice. looking at that as kind of like the next phase of this scene. Excellent. Awesome. So, as you may or may not know, we also have a segment called Juntos y Fuertes. And um, that is the segment that highlights noteworthy endeavors by members of marginalized groups that we think deserve support. And you have mentioned already, just in your interview, so many amazing programs and organizations and all kinds of cool things that you yourself are personally involved in. Um, but because, uh, I mean, definitely your artistic zine is a project that I think uh, many listeners are probably really interested in learning about during this episode and probably wanting to support. So awesome. um, can you tell our listeners how they can become involved and where they can find more information? Yeah, they can go to our website, um, dstlarts.org, and that'll describe all of the different programs that are available with that organization, and obviously specifically with Artistic Zine as well, and the submission guidelines and what we're looking for for the next issue. 
um, they can also actually subscribe to our issues, so they Ooh. can like pay a, f- a certain fee, and every time that the issue comes out, they just automatically get it because nice. they've already subscribed to it. So that's very our cool. zines, you know, they can order them online or you know at one of our um, events that we go to. My boss is actually at San Diego Zine Fest today, mm-hmm. um, so. You know, he kind of like makes it all the way around. <laughs> yeah. We try to go when we can, but it's not always possible. Um, thank you, Luis. <laughs> um, I think other than that, they can follow us on social media. Also, we do have an Instagram page and a Facebook page for artistic scenes. So okay, cool. Artistic, um, zine. That's what. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Nobody had taken it yet, so we got lucky. Thanks. <laughs> Uh, well, speaking of about artistic zine, I think that um, there might be some space in there for for some sort of uh, marketing or buying <laughs> buying. What is it when you when you buy, <laughs> buy ads? Yeah, oh, yeah buy yeah, a page. Yeah. I think it, there might be some space for Comadres y Comics uh, ads somewhere. If you ever <laughs> if you ever get to the point of um, of selling ads, uh, definitely hit us up. Oh, yeah. thank you. At least now, for sure. Least decisions. <laughs> All right, so we have another section called On My Radar, and that is when we ask you to share a comic show, movie, uh, et cetera, that you're enjoying that you think people should get behind. It could be anything. Anything that I'm watching. So uh-huh. Watching, I reading. I'm mm-hmm. really enjoying, like, I'm watching a lot of witch stuff because one of my next oh. ideas has to do with witches, so I've been watching, like, um, American Hell Horror yes. Stories. <laughs> uh, this last season on Netflix was great. It was oh, amazing. Nice. Um, but I've also been caught up with Charmed, the mm, new, mm-hmm. the new Charmed. The new one. Yeah. Okay. With Latinx, yeah. um, heroines, mm-hmm. which I think is just really cool. I'm yeah. really like enjoying that they did that. I'm really like, we need to just get more behind that. I loved the original Charmed and I haven't watched any of the new one, but I remember when they announced it, I was like, oh, this sounds awesome. So oh, I gosh. actually want to go back and watch some of it. Definitely. I think that we should because, you know, we talk a lot about like representation matters and I know mm-hmm. like two years it's ago October. I was on a Latina power panel with you for the yeah. very first time yeah. and we talked about just the lack and the need that there was and now they're just it's happening, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, and we're seeing we're right more in the cre- thick of it. I know <laughs> we're seeing yeah. more creators, but we have to back each other up. Oh, right. We're not yeah. going to continue to see it because yeah. I think when it comes to like um, the African American community, you know, when, when we look at like Black Panther and just mm-hmm, how mm-hmm. behind the community got behind that and yeah. how well it did, yeah, like we're not there yet as mm-hmm. a community. I think, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, you don't hear about shows as much like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think like I kind of a lot of times. I find out about things by your show or just like kind of like digging around on my own or maybe a friend of a friend, but it's doesn't like, it's not as big of a presence like on social media to be like, Hey, like this movie just came out. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to like back it up, you yeah, know? Yeah. Yeah. So I just think we can just do better as a community. Oh, absolutely. Like and, yeah. And 100%. That, that was uh, another question I had that I didn't get a chance to ask uh, before. How was your uh, introduction or your welcoming into the com- comics community? As a female creator, I think I had really positive experiences, and maybe I just like kind of linked up with the right people, you know, because yeah. Jean was already doing the work. I think Jean may have a different experience because she felt like she was like grassroots, like doing a lot of the work, especially back home with not a lot of females in the industry. Um, 
but the fact that I had her having already had those experiences was helpful. Mm. You know, it was, um, definitely like loved to have, having her by my side and having my back. And then like one of the very first big shows that we did was, um, actually the Latino comics mm-hmm. expo and meeting you, all three yeah. of you and Javier <laughs> and just like having his support. Um, it was almost like everything had already like, the way had already been paved for me. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. we continued to do the work, but there were already so many doors that had been open for me that like, it didn't feel so hard. Mm-hmm. You know what I yeah. mean? Where probably people that came before me had to, you know, roll up their sleeves a little bit <laughs> yeah. more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm grateful for, you know, the, everyone that came before me that made that possible for me to experience. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Any other stuff on your radar? Well, stuff on my radar that I'm looking forward to. Um, I listened to your podcast um, <laughs> with Caden Phoenix. Oh yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. With Jalisco. Like I was just like astounded. Like I was just like I didn't even know what to think or say <laughs> when I heard about like this whole universe she's creating. So yeah, not, not just mm-hmm. the Jalisco comic itself, but the Santa mm-hmm. other comic and the mm-hmm. other heroines that you know she already has planned out. Like. I'm just so excited because, like, we've been waiting for this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if there's projects to back up, like, this, I think, is definitely one of them, you know, as a community that we need to come together so that we can, um, we've been wanting and waiting for Latina superhero. Like, you know, we have them right here. You know? mm-hmm. So we need to just already support them. Like, you know, we, we say that, I think, sometimes because they're not in the big two, right, yeah, and they're yeah. not on the big screen. But it doesn't mean that it can't be on the big screen one day. It's just all about, like, making sure that we're backing up the projects that are being created. Yeah. Well, and yeah. she definitely has a vision. And that definitely, I think, is um, she she knows the right people and has the the right connections to make that happen. So, yeah. And it sounds amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited about that and very much looking forward to it. Um, where can our listeners follow you? Uh, what are, um, I websites, think I, I think social I'm media? Only for the magic glasses, I'm only on Instagram now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're just not that great at like keeping up with everything. So, um, you can follow us on Instagram at the underscore magic underscore glasses. Um, and Jean, you know, and I have, um, our own personal pages, but that's like where we like, we'll post content about like what's, what's new and happening and coming up for our, you know, our comics. And where can people pick up the book most importantly mm, yes well our comic books are available at Heidi Ho Comics <laughs> <laughs> yes they are um, they're also available at Nostalgic Comics um, and then hopefully at a, an event or show near you soon <laughs> <laughs> I've kind of taken a break from shows this year oh, okay uh-huh. to um, you know there's a lot of them. Live yes. life and um, be with my family. <laughs> yeah. I know. I was just talking to Jen the other day. I was like, I'm looking at all these memories that are coming up of all the shows that we were doing last year at this time. And we're not doing any of those shows this year. But I'm so thankful that we're not doing any of those shows because we have so much that we are already doing. Yeah. 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 Sometimes it can be a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Especially oh, if it's like more than one show in a month can be a yes. lot. Yes. 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 So, um... Is there anything else that you think that our listeners need to know about Magic Glasses, about you, about Artistic Zine, anything that you're like, I really hope that these women asked me about this, but uh, they didn't? No, I think, I think you asked me so many amazing questions, so I think that I've covered everything. But, you know, we, like I said, we are looking at releasing issue three in 2020, so just more to come on that, just to keep you posted on our social media to let you know 
when that's coming and how that's coming along. Like Jean usually sends me like updated like artwork, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> kind of like sneak peeks and things like that. So no, we're just excited to be able to get that out soon. Excellent. So. Well, thank you so much for being on our show. It was amazing. I love this uh, piña loca you brought for yes. us. Oh, you're welcome. Yes. Thank you thank for you. trying three beers with us. I think oh, that's the awesome. maximum amount we've had yeah. uh, beer tasting with the guests. It was fun. Yeah. It was fun. <laughs> and, and, and delicious stuff all around. Um, thank you again for making that long drive. <laughs> oh, my God. It was so 12 long. minutes. Let's be clear. I'm going to come over more often there. <laughs> the barbecue in the back. Yes. <laughs> thank Some tostones. <laughs> exactly. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it, and I really love the work you're doing, and it's amazing, and I loved your zine, and I can't wait to share it with everyone, and I can't wait to ask people to uh, submit their work because yeah. there's a lot of stories out there of people that, you know, um, if we all learn about each other, we can feel a, a sense of solidarity, and we can feel seen, and we can feel supported. For sure. Yeah. So thank you thank so you. much for that. Thank you for the opportunity. So this ends Las Pláticas Número 10. And we have been your host, I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. And Bye. Then don't forget, you can always find us on social media, on Instagram at Comadres y Comics. And on Twitter at Comic Comadres. You can always email us at Comadres y Comics at gmail.com. And we have a Snapchat where you can see these awesome little videos we have at Comadres y Comics. And Facebook is also Comic Comadres. So reach out, talk to us. If you have any creators or books or something that you think that we just need to have on our radar and share with listeners, please let us know. Absolutely. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.